gentlemen, welcome to episode eight of the Extra Canon Podcast. Today, I promised Mac I wouldn't I wouldn't do an introduction in which I, I, I said it's going to be a somber episode this week. I, I promised him I wouldn't say that, and luckily I'm not going to say that. It's going to be a good episode this week because uh, we're talking off the back of a of a brilliant Arsenal win, four 0 away in Prague, uh, and yeah, we'll we'll get into that shortly but first I, I must introduce my uh my guests for this week first of all the usual suspect the main man the co-host is matt johnson how are we doing mcintyre i'm doing all right living my best life uh just very proud to be introed before our next guest i mean his ego just must be in the absolute dirt right now <laughs> very happy with it very very happy yeah i mean um those of you who uh, tuned into the main show earlier this week we did hint at it and uh I hate to confirm it, but he is here, uh, the bumptious Brighton boy, as uh, Daniel Finton would say. It's Alfie Colshaw. As Daniel would say again, he's in the cut. How are we doing, Alf? We saying, lads. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm decent. I'm decent. Um, fucking hell, that came out loud on my thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm decent. I'm decent. I'm, I'm delighted to uh, make my debut on the Extra Cannon podcast. It feels a bit like... I don't know how to describe it. It feels like um, <laughs> it's funny. Kind of like, do you remember when? Sh- yeah, go <laughs> ahead. Usually, when you start a sentence with "it feels like," you have something. It feels like. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, I I was trying to think of like an analogy. You know, when Stoke signed Shakiri, I was like <laughs> mad because like no one saw that coming. Like, it was a massive transfer. Oh, your thing. ego, man. It feels like I'm sort of you know stepping into like a you know. It feels like a star is coming onto something this. Mate, you know, it's it's not him. too late to um, kick you out. Well, I mean, listen, the, the Shakiri <laughs> comparison's great. He's got the height. He's got the calves. He's living his best <laughs> life. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's quite accurate, actually. Um, but yeah, no, no. The first thing I want to say is, um, yeah, I'm delighted to. I'm, I'm delighted you'd have me on. Um, you needed a star to sort of <laughs> ignite the fire for this podcast, and I'm, I'm happy to, you know, be that catalyst. Um, but yeah, in all seriousness, thanks, thanks for having me on. And I just want to start by saying, I wish, uh, Aubameyang a speedy recovery in his, yeah. um, fight against malaria. Obviously that was quite a, a shock, but, um, yeah, it's obviously quite a serious, uh, disease. So, um, I hope he, he recovers well, but yeah. Yeah. How are you guys doing? Yeah. I mean, I, I must give a a prior warning to the listeners. I have been uh, out today already. Went went down to the pub, uh, had, had a couple of beers, and I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm drunk anymore, but I was earlier. I won't deny it. So uh, yeah, that, that... moderately waved. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And uh, you know what, Alfie, you love to see it. Um, yeah, that was me last night. Yeah, um, you love to see the pubs open again because you know it, it, you just people say that uh, sort of. British English, uh, sorry, British culture in terms of drinking is glorified. Do you know why? Because it's glorious. It's spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, it, it's just great that everything's sort of getting slightly back to normal in the UK, even if you have to like freeze your balls off while you are drinking. Um, how's your week been, Mac? Uh, it's been great. You know, been down to the pub, have class in 40 minutes. Totally joking. I haven't. Um, no, I mean, it's about midday here. <laughs> uh happy friday very excited for the weekend to get up and about so i can i don't know kick on and not be worried about class for a day and a half yeah yeah that's good Mm. to hear 
Right. Well, um, we are slightly uh, constricted in terms in terms of time today, so um, let, let's get into this. Um, Alf is the guest. I'll, I'll come to you first. What what are you, what were your thoughts on that spectacular, orgasmic, mesmeric, <laughs> phenomenal performance last night? Um, I'm delighted. Um, and I sort of I remember thinking sort of just before the game. I don't want this to be like a long, painful night. You know, like Benfica, where it was mm-hmm. fucking extremely stressful. The, the second leg of Benfica. Um, yeah. And they didn't do that. And I was thinking, if we can get a few early goals and just sort of kill the tie. I actually don't think it was the most exciting game after like the like 30th minute mark. I think mm. it was sort of dried out and we should sort of killed the game off. And, you know, that's what I wanted to see. Like, we, we just completely controlled the tie after that and completely restricted them to nothing. And it was just a nice, relaxing night. We had the... We had the uh, a flurry of goals in that 10 minute spell, which was very exciting. And we played some sexy football in that period. After that, we basically did nothing because we didn't need to. And it was, it was quite nice to have a relaxing night for once for Arsenal. And I didn't feel at all like there'll be any sort of scare uh, at any point. Like obviously they had to score four goals, but I, like it felt very comfortable, which was refreshing. And yeah, some nice goals some very good performances, which I'm sure we'll get into. Um, and yeah, just overall, very, very good night, and a, a big night for for Mikel Arteta and sort of his attempts to sort of I know he's quite divisive at the moment to sort of get more fans on side, and hopefully, hopefully we can go all the way to Gdansk. Which, by the way, <laughs> if it's an Arsenal United final, they might as well move it to Wembley so they can actually <laughs> get some fans. They've got to, in. don't they? They've got to. Yeah, because fans won't be able to go to Gdansk. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that would be really good. I think. You know, there's an opportunity for the government to sort of because they are slowly letting fans go back to uh, games, aren't they? I think there's the Man City mm. Spurs like Carabao Cup final in a few weeks, and I think like ten thousand fans are going to be at that. Uh, so I thought mm. that maybe they might use like the European semi finals. Well, um, as a... Leicester Southampton this weekend, South, uh, FA Cup final's got semi final. Sorry, yeah, has um, four thousand fans, but it's just Wembley. It's like residents of the Wembley area. It's not like oh, fans okay. of the teams. Yeah, so it's like a pilot for for fans. Not a bad way to do it. But still, we're we're moving towards that, Um, Mm. and hopefully, yeah, it would be great even at the semi-finals if the government could let us have some fans at the Emirates to welcome good old Unai back to uh, back to N five. Mac, it was it was sort of a very un-Arsenal performance, wasn't it, in terms of sort of what we've seen this season. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, we weren't fighting and scrapping for everything. And, you know, it wasn't a desperate last-minute comeback or a desperate last-minute loss. Um, We looked comfortable. We looked composed. I think, and just on the topic of a Wembley final, they literally played us in Baku two years ago against Chelsea while there was a human rights crisis going on. I don't think they're going to move it to Wembley in a year like this, you know, much to everybody's chagrin. But, um, yeah, no, it's just... I think it was it was a really happy night. Um, as soon as that second, you know, the penalty, I think, was our second goal. As soon as that one went, I was like, "All right, we've got this in the bag," you know. Yeah. Uh, but mm. as I as I wrote on Monday, um, Mikel Arteta might have actually learned his lesson from the last time we played this team, which is to say, you know, mm-hmm. keep pressure on the front, keep them suffocated in their own half, and defend by not giving them chances rather than defending the chances we do give them well. Um, you know, it was a very, almost a very Man City-like performance, I think, which is the first time we've seen 
that you know that from this team this season, uh, especially in the way a lot of the team rotated, um, with kind of Ceballos and Pepe almost exchanging spots on that left hand, left center side, and the same with um, Saka and Emil Smith Rowe on the right, with kind of Lacazette anchoring the middle, but also dropping deep into the midfield and creating chances. It was very fluid, um, and that's really something we haven't seen because I think you know the players looked comfortable and the players that they looked like they were, you know, really feeling the game flowing, like in good spirits. And it's just, I don't know, made me really happy. I watched the entire game with a smile on my face, which is just something I haven't done at all this season. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. And it's sort of a nice little segue onto some, some tactical discussion, because I think there were elements of the, the system that Arteta chose to uh, deploy. Um, that were, were really quite fascinating, very similar against Sheffield United at the weekend. Alfie, what did you make of first Shaka uh, at left back and then and then Chambers at right back? I think both of them sort of played pretty pivotal roles. Yeah, I think Shaka um, at left back obviously worked on the weekend and I think it does suit him. I think you tweeted about this. It was, it was something to do with the difference between Uno Emery and Mikel Arteta yeah. in that. When Emery used Shaka at left back, it really sort of exposed him defensively. He was playing as like an out and out left yeah, back. Yeah, conventional he left had back. Like, yeah, there was like a onus on him to get forward and actually be like an outlet offensively, which just can't be what he does. He's not got the mobility, the pace um, to do that. Um, and I think it does suit him because it, 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 he basically plays that role in possession anyway when he plays as a central midfielder. Yeah. Um, you know, he sort of drops into that left sort of auxiliary left centre-back role to sort of build um, attacks from deep areas like possession in that area, um, help us play out from the back. Um, and I think it works in these sort of games when we're sort of in control and dominating. And, you know, he doesn't really cross the halfway line much. He's sort of just there to build the play from that area. Um, I do think against better opposition when you've got, let's say, a tricky winger who's quick as well coming up against him, um, I do think it would be a very different test, and mm. I'm not sure that would be the best option for that particular opposition. But if if we play against a team like that, um, even against Fulham, if they move a don't uh, Lookman to the right wing, I think that could be a little bit problematic. So I think maybe we'll change it for that game. But I do think for this game it worked, and I think he did well there as well. I think you know he wasn't overly tested defensively, but in possession he was very good again. Um, and I think Chambers at right back, again, very interesting option. But I think um, on paper, I think if you look at the three options there with Bellerin and Cedric, he sort of does have the capabilities to play that sort of inverted yeah. role and sort of fill in central areas, play that sort of right central midfield area where he sort of comes inside sometimes. Although he does still provide that overlap, he does sort of fill into that central midfield area. We saw it on the third goal when he sort of stepped inside and played that pass to Saka and he's sort of in that area. Hmm. And he's very good technically. He's a smart footballer in possession. Um, and I, yeah, I just think he's very good on the ball so he can play that role. And I thought he was pivotal yesterday again with some of the goals. And I yeah, I gave him an eight in my player ratings because I think he had a very good game. Yeah, I thought that Chambers was sort of excellent in that in that sort of 20-minute spell in the yeah in yeah. the middle of the first half where we just tore Slavia to shreds. Um Mac, what what was your sort of your standout chambers moment? Because I think that, you know, he everything that he tried in that spell that I referenced was was, was just coming off for him. Yeah, I mean I think 
you know, there is a certain isolation that he found throughout the game where he just kept picking up these pockets of space where there would seem to be no one around him and whether it would be kind of, you know, moving forwards or intercepting a, another bad clearance from Kolar, the keeper, or whatever it was. He was just kind of constantly involved and constantly finding areas of the pitch where just he seemed almost unmarkable. Um, and I mean, mm-hmm. his passing was very precise. Um, and, you know, very he was very tactically astute throughout. But I think just... It's sort it of was... the beauty of the inverted fullback, isn't it? Exactly. And, like, you don't expect a center back to play an amazing inverted fullback role. You'd honestly almost give that to, like, a center midfielder or a winger, you know? But he is... I think really growing into that a little bit more. And it's clear, you know, especially from the recent run of games that Arteta does trust him there more than he likes Bellerin or Cedric, which is surprising. Hmm. Hmm. You can see how uh, the Fulham playing central midfield for Fulham has sort of developed him in possession and passing and how that sort of enabled him to play this role. I think before that loan spell, he would have struggled in this sort of role, but playing there has really developed his game and in possession. I think he's, he's genuinely, I don't think he gets enough credit. I think he's, probably better than Bellerin and Cedric on the ball, yeah. potentially. He may not have the sort of physical aspects to him so in terms of pace and mobility, in terms of being able to get up and down as frequently and as relentlessly. But in terms of technical quality, I think generally there's a case to be made. He's he's probably better than both of them. He is yeah, I mean, also, that, that... yeah, I was going to say, sorry, Rob, just to go ahead, He Mark. is both stronger and better than the better in the air than both of those players. Yeah. And one thing I was just remembering is there were probably four or five occasions where, um, you know, if Leno did get the ball and wanted to play a flighted pass, but not up to Lacazette, he, his first target was always out to that right wing back, you know, Chambers on the touchline and he would Mm -hmm. get it calmly, always distribute well. Yeah. It just, it looked really, really good. Um, his link up with holding was excellent. I mean, obviously they're best friends and roommates, so that helps. But, yeah. you know, his link up with Sokka was very good. His interplay with Party was amazing. Just he, you know, he kind of picked his spots and just did everything that he was asked to do very, very well. It was it was efficient and it was wonderful to watch. Uh, yeah, Rob. Yeah, I thought uh, his sort of standout moment for me was that that left footed pass to Saka in the build up to Saka's goal. Uh, I mm. thought that that was really excellent. Um, I and think yeah. his pass to Smith Rowe in, in the lead up to the second goal was pretty good as well. Yeah, it was also really good. He played a key role in, in both goals and actually in the first goal as well. He fizzed it into Lacazette's feet when he easily mm. could have played out wide. Uh, and yeah, Alfie, I, I, that's a good point. It, that might really come from his experience playing in the centre of the park where you have to take more uh, risk on the ball and and try those sort of important progressive passes uh, to split the lines. So yeah. Uh, you, you really sort of saw that. And I mentioned that that technical security. I tweeted about this during mm. the game about Shaka. I mean, that's not normally something I really associate um, Shaka with in terms of keeping the ball on a string. But Mack, it, it often felt like the ball was on a string for Shaka last night. Everything was going his way. Yeah, no, it was lovely. I mean, just I think when he's given a position where he isn't necessarily with his back to goal, um, regardless of whether he's in, you know, the defensive third or the final third, if he's able to turn and face up the field, his vision and his passing range is ridiculous. And when you have players, yeah, you who saw are, that on the yeah, last goal, didn't you? Exactly, it was beautiful pass. 
God, it was lovely. Mm. And just like the ability, you know, that he has to find players in space, but also to use them. I mean, I think he played, there was one time when he was out on the left touchline and um, this was after Martinelli had come on and he was, in, you know, kind of really restricted. Martinelli was marked very heavily um, and he was looking for options. And then he just played a 50 yard diagonal right onto the feet mm. of Rob Holding. Like, it was it was a pass that I'm always impressed when I'm looking I'm watching a match on TV I can see the entire field and a player makes a pass that I didn't see open, and mm. he made three of them last night at least where I was like okay that's ridiculous and I didn't see it coming I didn't see the man open I didn't see the space that he saw you know and I have all of the time in the world in an elevated position he has the ball at his feet just you know he's really starting to show a lot more composure than he used to. He's making better decisions and he's taking, you know, he's kind of taking the threat to other teams more. He's become a lot more progressive, I suppose, in his passing, but also, you know, he passes with more intent. It's less just about recycling the ball. Every pass has a purpose. And I think it's the reason yeah. that, you know, he's he's kind of unmissable for this art for Arteta's side. Wherever he plays, he's key. Yeah. There's been a lot of praise for Granite Shaka in, in over the course of the last few days. Um not only for his contribution on the pitch, but also for his sort of leadership abilities. And and you've got to say, he's, I agree with you, Mac. He's sort of grown into a real pivotal figure. Um, and yeah, it, it's good for him. And it's good that he's getting the praise that I think his recent performances have deserved. However, um, what I don't think Shaka would be able to perhaps recreate is what Thomas Partey has done in midfield in recent weeks. Oh, well, not recent mm. weeks, the last two games. Uh, Shaka has, sorry, Party has basically played in midfield on his own in the last two games. Uh, I know Sabas has been in there too, but he sort of played as a left central midfielder, really drifting out wide and supporting the left winger. I think he's been excellent. Well, what have you thought of uh, Party in that sort of lone defensive midfield role, Alfie? Yeah, I think he's been excellent. I think it's. His is his ability to sort of evade the press. He's quite press resistant, um, and sort of yeah, it means when he's faced with three central midfielders against him, and he's basically that lone midfielder. He can sort of deal with it. He can take the ball away from them, and he can find the progressive passes. I think um, some of his passing was excellent yesterday, but also his defensive output. I think if you look at the mm. numbers, he made five interceptions or five tackles. Sorry, and three interceptions. So eight tackles and interceptions in one game is like astounding defensive midfield Very numbers. Good. And you don't necessarily associate that with him. I know he's, he's like put, puts up decent defensive numbers, but it's not like his absolute strong point. Whereas in this role where sort of everything's on him in that create in that sort of central hub, um, he really thrives. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I sort of fills me with a optimism for next season when we're potentially looking at someone to partner him maybe we can have someone who's a bit more uh sort of likes to operate in more forward areas a bit more creative um instead of someone who's sort of going to sit with him because he can sort of do that job by himself at times and he seems to thrive when he's actually got the responsibility yeah. on him in that central area i sort of thought about um that role that sabios played last night and i'll tell you what i could really mm. imagine um usama wa excelling in that role as sort of the left mm. mid slash mm. a slash sort of combative midfielder um 
And yeah, but I do I, think when we have Tierney, that role won't necessarily be there as much if you get. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it'll but be. I, I do see what you mean. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how we sort of um, move forward with with Tierney. And I know it's only been two games, but we found a really interesting sort of tactical setup here. And I suppose the benefit of it is that we've learned, I know, again, two games, but we seem to have found a system which uh, has enabled us to operate like effectively without Tierney, which is really important uh, going into these last mm. weeks of the season. Uh, Mac, do you, do you see uh, these last couple of games? I know we talked about it last week with Ross. Uh, we sort of talked about how party has been poor, since his injury turn, but returned by his standards. Do you think it, it might be a bit of a turning point uh, for the midfielder? I think so. I think it's funny because a lot of the criticism we had for Party was that he was too isolated, you know, that he was trying to kind of do too much on his own. Um, and mm. a lot of the reasons that he was having these poor performances is that he was tasked with both defending against a three-man midfield and attacking against one. Um when you know, and I think his performances, specifically against Sheffield and most recently Slavia, reminded me a lot of kind of Fernandinho in his prime, where he would just sit mm. at the base of the city midfield and create, yes, but like soak up pressure, but then retain pressure in the opposing half, like really do an excellent job of press breaking and cycling the ball and getting forward on occasion but primarily just kind of being that mobile athletic screen for the back four. Um, I think there was, this is another uh, Rob tweet, but there was a tweet that he almost looks better in a single pivot than a double, you know, working that sole midfield than in kind of, I think that was your tweet. Was it? Am I wrong? Yeah, I think someone replied to my tweet saying that actually I I tweeted about how he was really good on his own. Uh, And then someone replied saying how, Things were perhaps a bit crowded with a double pivot. Um, exactly, and actually, he looked really good on his own in there. Yeah, and I think I think just on sorry to insert Jack just on the uh, Fernandinho point. I think it's a really good comparison, quite interesting one. Um, and yeah, Fernandinho was sort of alongside uh, De Bruyne and Silva in his like peak years at City um, under Guardiola, and that was sort of how City were able to play so well offensively because they had the protection with Fernandinho and those two Mazalas. Um, and I do think we've spoken a lot over the last, since Arteta's come in, about how he may look to transition into that 4-3-3. And the fact that Partey's been able to produce these sort of performances in that role by himself does give me hope that maybe we could be looking at a potential transition to that with, more smoothly with those two Mazalas who are more face basically on the creative side obviously if they have to work hard defensively but Partey can sort of do the anchoring well which is quite exciting actually yeah I 100% agree um I think also Emile Smith-Rowe would be a perfect one of those Matthias you know just in Mm. terms of his ability to run with the ball and kind of stretch play and also his you know just his tenacious defending and his ability in the press it's it's great all around um my last point about Partey is that you know he can't do it all on his own but we have a tactical setup that now means he doesn't have to. Um, you commented on Ceballos dropping a bit mm. deeper, and he did play a more advanced role, but kind of, you know, between Ceballos and the inverted fullback of Chambers, they each offered kind of almost like a half support role, right? Yeah, so yeah, each doing yeah. half of the duties of what a normal holding midfielder would do alongside party. And I think that, you know, 
just giving him a little bit of help, but mainly letting him do his own thing gives him enough support on his own to really be the backbone and kind of the anchor point for this midfield. Um, yeah, it's just, it was electric to watch. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we especially saw what you were talking about with Chambers and Sabah sort of playing half roles. I think we especially saw that against um, Sheffield United. I thought that Chambers was seen in that midfield space a lot. Uh, and I like mm. that. It, it was sort of a, a 3-3-4, wasn't it? With um, sort of that midfield three of party in the middle, Chambers to his right and Ceballos uh, to his left. And then Shaka slotting in as that left centre back and then a really fluid front four. Uh, and mm. yeah, that, that, that was really nice. And um, yeah, sort of a Guardiola sort of um, concept, which, which Arteta is... as Daniel would say. Yeah, yeah. Um, and th- these are things that you really like to see as an Arsenal fan because that's what we sort of had in mind when we when the club appointed Arteta, that he'd be able to bring some of those those sort of innovations to Arsenal. And uh, yeah, we, we, I think we're seeing some of them at the moment in this current really fluid setup. Um, mm. Anyway, some of the real standout performances, some of the key men um, mm. for Arsenal were Smithrow, Saka, and Pepe, they uh, occupied mm. those those roles in behind Lacazette. I mean, Alfie, I know that you're just a massive Smith Rowe fan, so so the floor oh. is yours. Yeah, I thought he was in that brief spell that I was talking about with Chambers. I thought he was out of this world. Mm. Well, just on Smith Rowe, generally, I have been you know advocating him for, for him for a while, like genuinely, <laughs> the yeah. website. Or my about bit when there's a little description of me. I'm yeah. A massive fan of Emile Smith Rowe. And that was written, what, uh, October 2019. So, you know, can't say I, I called it, but, you know, I've always <laughs> said he, he's he's the answer. Um, But, yeah, I fucking love him. And I thought he was, he was superb. I think this is the best central performance we've seen from him for a while. I think he's moved out to the left recently and he's been good there. Um, but centrally, he's had a few games where he's filled in again and he hasn't quite reached the heights he did initially when he was playing centrally there. And I thought mm. to sort of score that goal and have the euphoria of it and then have it ruled out, but then to sort of not let it knock him at all and then sort of fire him on. And he just he came alive after that moment. I thought he was superb. Um, and just mm-hmm. his not just his sort of continuity play and possession when he's in forward areas, but it's his running off the ball all the time. I think that's his probably his best asset, his movement. And you saw it in the build-up to the second goal when he ran the channels, gave Chambers that option um, and sort of used the ball very well to, to cut it back for Saka. But also just obviously his, his role in the first goal, which was double phenomenal. Double Jeez. nutmeg. And it... It really reminded me of uh, an assist that Lacazette got at Brighton a couple of years ago. I don't know if you remember it under Unai Emery in the 2018 90s. Yeah, I know players And then fouled Nabamiang. Yeah, it was kind of similar yeah. to that where he sort of had five or six. They showed it in the graphic in um, on at half time on BT Sport with five or six players surrounding him. And he sort of managed to wriggle his way. I think there was a sh- he tried to shoot it sort of blocked, but then he regained his footing, took it away from two players, the double nutmeg. Very smart and incisive pass into Pepe, who, by the way, took it very well, sort of digged it out and delayed his shot. He could have gone down. Um, but yeah, Smith Rowe was fucking brilliant. And I think all of the 
three behind Lacazette combined very well. I think Lacazette, actually don't think Lacazette had his best game. I thought some of his passing was quite loose, but he scored the two goals. So you can't really, you can forgive him for that. Um, but I just think the front four in general worked really well. And yeah, it feels like we don't necessarily have a uh, sort of hammered down front four at the moment. We're chopping and changing a lot, but it feels like there are a mm. lot of promising combinations um, developing. And, you know, whoever's out there has, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of interesting developments, whether it's Odegaard, Aubameyang, Smith-Rowe, Lacazette, Saka, Smith-Rowe. Um, I think Saka and Pepe have a good relationship at times as well. Um, yeah, especially against Sheffield United, you saw that. Yeah, and, there's, really there's, well. and Saka and Lacazette. I think there's a lot of interesting partnerships developing and it's it's giving us options, which is exciting. Um, and I, from game to day, game, I'm like always thinking like what sort of front four we're playing. I don't think there's a, an obvious one at the moment. It's, it's exciting. Yeah, and you've got to say that, you know, best, of course, best wishes to Aubameyang. He's been out with mm. Malera and he might be out for a few more weeks. We don't really know on that regard. But, you know, mm. Odegaard will probably be back in the next few days. Martinelli was benched. Uh, mm. Willian, of course, hasn't played in a few games now. Um, you know, th- th- those guys have got a fight on their hands now because that, that four that started, I mean, you know, you can say that Lacazette didn't have his best game, but he has scored four goals in his last two games. Uh, I mean, that's that's very good. He's undroppable. Of course, and yeah. Um, yeah, the three behind were also really good. Um, I mean, Mac, what about that finish from Bakayo Saka? I mean, I mean, he has just been named Europa League Player of the Week. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah, which I think is, you know, well-deserved both for his performance generally, but that finish, I mean... I think his finishing is probably the thing I've had the most issue with this mm. year. You know, he constantly gets into these good positions, but he is still 19. He does lack some of the composure, especially because he's more of a creatively oriented player than he is a goal scorer. But that, if he can do that, you know, 10 times a season, which I think he absolutely can, it was mm. a lovely, lovely finish, but a very professional one too. You know, I think... Yeah. Most players, especially when you're young, you're taught when you're cutting inside to aim for the far corner, right? Mm. That is a lesson. Goalkeeper. He exactly. tried that uh, early on in yeah. the game, didn't he? He did. And then, you know, he's stepped inside, realized he's in acres of space, and it's just, it's powerful, it's precise, it's low to the ground, but he hasn't scuffed it at all. He hasn't rolled it. It's just a perfectly clean hit. You know, put it right where he mm. meant to. Um, honestly, it... That that's the type of goal that you know you kind of you have to stand up and applaud. You know there is it's individually brilliant, and also the pass from Chambers, as we've already discussed, was you know out of this world. Took two defenders out of the play hmm. and put it in a spot where Saka could get a really good run on whoever Slavia's left back is. I couldn't freaking tell you, but like it was that captain, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Who I probably might have had a terrible <laughs> game, but. <laughs> But no, just I think he's also not so he's been kind of wanting for goals recently, but I think it's it's good to get his name back on. He's hit a low, hasn't he, in form for him. Exactly. And, you know, the fact that we're relying on a 19 year old kid tells you a lot about where we are as a team. (laughs) But the fact that at the same time, he's kind of potentially hopefully getting into an upswing. You know, now, especially now that the team doesn't have to just rely on him. It looks like we have a system that is at least for the time being, working well with itself, you know? 
that he kind of might have more freedom to go and really make a difference, I think is it's going to be huge, especially in this latter leg of the season where any point we can get is a good one. Yeah, I mean, Saka's been a really crucial player for us all season. And uh, yeah, I, I can see him retaining that sort of pivotal role for a really long time in the side. Uh, and it was great to see him and Smith Rowe just <laughs> just playing their hearts out out there because, you know, these guys are the future of our club. And uh, it's brilliant that Hayland have produced such two such great talents in such a uh, sort of similar time frame. And, you know, we've also got Balogun, who's, who's just signed, well, impending contract renewal. Uh, we've got further talents in the academy and Aziz. Uh, we've got Willock out on loan. You know, there's loads of players who could potentially be mainstays in this Arsenal team for years to come. Uh, and that, that's exactly what you want from your academy. Um, okay, just before we we move on to something else, uh, Alpha, you, you mentioned Pepe's finish. What did you make of his mm. overall performance on that left wing? We, we saw it... Uh, a couple of months ago, actually, he's played there against Southampton and Wolves, and I thought he was excellent out there. And then we we moved away from it, and then we moved back to it yesterday. Pepe started on the left instead of Martinelli. What, what did you make of him in, on that on that left hand side last night? Yeah, well, I think the reason we sort of moved away from it was the emer- or the return of Kieran Tierney from from injury. Yeah. And I think, well, shout out the uh, haters in my comments. Um, <laughs> I said I called for this pre-game. Um, I was in my preview. I was like, I think we should use Pepe on the left because I think I actually said because I I was sort of based off Cedric playing a right back because you get that left right footer on that side, um, so you get a bit of a balance. Uh, mm. But I think it did make sense with Shaka sort of playing his sort of restricted left back role where he wasn't really an out an out left back, um, and you have that player who can drive to the byline and and put in crosses and cutbacks. And I think I do like him on that side at times because I do feel like it simplifies his game a bit. You see him. Um, not you know, it forces him to be a bit more simple in his game, and you know, he's not dilly dallying and always coming inside. Side. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I thought he he was really good. I think some of his footwork at times was excellent. His touch was better than it was against Sheffield United. Um, and he took his goal excellently, and he got the assist for Lacazette, which was a good pick out as well. Which, by the way, was a very good finish from Lacazette. Good fit um, on his weaker foot. Mm. But yeah, I was encouraged by Pepe, and I think again, it, it he's another. Pl- We've got all these options in these forwards areas, and they're all quite flexible in where they can operate. I think everyone in that sort of forward area can play a multitude of those front four roles. So again, if you can have that flexibility, lots of different options, that's good. I think Pepe is someone that last season we saw was a bit restricted to only really being able be able to operate in that in that right right wing right forward role. Whereas in this season, he's shown that he can operate in that left side role where he's done well. Um, he scored against Wolves and Southampton, as you said, in that game. And he scored again yesterday. So, yeah, encouraging. Yeah, very encouraging. Um, and you just hope that, that Pepe can prolong that format. And, and I don't think that you could ignore the fact that he scores goals when he's on that left wing. Mm. Um, and that's, that's something that this Arsenal team often dearly lack. Uh, so, yeah, well done to Pepe. And... You know, you're seeing a side swim which you know we've been waiting for for a long time. But you just, everyone's just got their fingers crossed that he can continue in in such a you know just a with the consistency in terms of scoring goals, causing havoc, etc. Mm. Ten goals um, this season now in all competitions. Yeah, that, yeah, that's really good. Yeah, if he can get up to you know 
around, I don't know, 15 goals by the end of the season or competitions. That's mm. really good return. And I think um, even if he's like quite frustrating, can be a bit inconsistent and um, a bit erratic at times, um, I think the fact that he's always able to maintain a decent level of output just makes him a relatively valuable player to have in the squad. He's always going to get goals. Like even last season, this season, he's our third top uh, contributor in terms of goals and assists. So, you know, you can say what you want about him not being consistent enough, but if he's going to you know, like always deliver output um, where, he, you know, even Saka, he's, he's got more of a ruthlessness to him than Saka yeah. in, terms of, uh, in the final third at times. I think, yeah, I think he's always going to be valuable and he's, 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 a, he's a very good asset to have in the squad and he's improving. Yeah, and that's exactly what you want from your forward players at the end of the day. So, um, mm. yeah, that, that's reason to be uh, to be sort of pleased with Pepe. Um, Mac, how, how proud were you at, at the moment uh, just just prior to kick-off when Slavia Prague took their stand against um, Kudela, who uh, obviously was was banned for, for racism for 10 games, which is not ridiculous because he's been banned, but ridiculous that he's only been banned for 10 games. I mean, UEFA is pathetic. Um, but how proud of you when you saw Lacazette taking the knee and staring at those Slavia Prague players um, and then pretty much <laughs> made them his bitches during the game? Yeah, I mean, it's it's all about fight, you know? Um, Lacazette right now is a man fighting. He's fighting to stay, hopefully, at Arsenal. He's fighting for a new contract, but... You know, you could really see in this game, especially, that he was fired up and ready to go. I think sometimes when he's in a bad mood, he can be more combative. You know, he'll start diving, he'll start yelling at people. But when he's intense, he is quiet, he's efficient. Like, he might not be the most talkative, but you can just tell in his face when he scores, you know? And then he'll unleash all of the yells and whatever during the celebrations when he does eventually score. But I think, yeah, you know, he's... This was a game where even from the off, from before kickoff, you could tell that the team was fighting for something greater than just a football game. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Show I mean, peace from a couple of weeks ago. Exactly. Yeah, and I mean the fact that we also have, you know, it's it's important to note we beat them for nothing. All four goal scorers or three goal scorers across four goals were all black. Um, mm-hmm. It's Arsenal. You know, again, we have a proud history and a proud present of representing diversity and of fighting for it and i think there's very you know there's little better way than for this team as a as you know as a unit as an entity but also in its individual performances and mindsets to you know step up and prove a point which is exactly what we did last night it's the fight that we you know we were all calling for we did it for alba who's out we did it for glenn camera who has been banned for three games as well that was for actually for fighting uh kudala in the tunnel after the game which i think is understandable but you know i there's a lot to say that i won't go into but i i just generally think that this was a performance it was passionate it was aggressive but most of all it was purposeful you know it was genuinely just it, it was it was incredible to see i was very proud of you know this team and of its players and of what we are trying to represent uh, yeah, it kind of, it honestly brought a lump to my throat before kickoff. And I think, you know, before uh, the Rangers game, it was the first time Slavia didn't take the knee. 
and they instead pointed to like the respect on the UEFA badge. It was deemed a quote like it, it was it was an apologetic stance. I think was the way they put it, basically saying you know like mm-hmm. we respect it. We're here for universal respect. We're not going to take the knee. Um, I think the whole arms around each other in solidarity thing was a bit of a risky gesture from them because it's entirely unclear whether they're standing in solidarity with you know the anti-racism cause or in solidarity for their band teammate and captain um mm. i kind of read it as the latter but you know it yeah. was just it, it was it was a moment of pride uh for me for him and for the team and that was that was my take on the whole thing mm. yeah I, w- I would second all of that anything to add alfie i'm just fucking delighted we we beat those racist cunts yes yeah, and i know There'll be be people out there. Oh, you're you're generalizing the whole squad. I think the whole club is. Been well, you saw the putting the a... post from their ultras after the Kamara. I mean, exactly. Issue. It's 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 more about the fan base and the actual players and club. Apart from obviously was Kudela, um, but I think the way the club sort of handled it was kind oh. of disgraceful. Like they they were trying to make excuses, trying to sort of deny it. Um, and they should have, you know, like pretty much any club should, they should have just come out and say, uh, if he's found guilty, these actions are absolutely unacceptable, disgraceful. This is not what we stand for. We we, we stand in solidarity with um, anti-racism causes. Um, and, you know, they didn't do that. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, it's it's it was it was very nice as as Max said to to see us beat them and three black players scoring against them. It was it was a powerful symbol and that picture of Lacazette kneeling in front of the players who weren't taking a knee um, was a powerful image and I think it was a win for more than football. Yeah. this victory and I think most opposition fans, regardless of who they support, would have been happy that we we knocked them out of the competition, a competition which they. Arguably, if we're trying to take a radical stance, probably should have been not allowed to take part in this round because of the way they no. dealt with it. And, you know, I know people argue against that again, but I think, you know, if you want to make a real stance and show how unacceptable that behavior is, you've got to, like, that would have been, you know, a statement and it probably would have been fair. Do you remember what the coach said after, after the game? Um, I don't, but it was something. Yeah, Ridiculous. in the post-match press conference, he was basically like, first of all, you know, um, Andre Kudela uh, is innocent until proven guilty. Um, there's no foundation for these accusations. And honestly, they're doing it to cover up, like, basically some of the shitty stuff they did in that game. Um, you know, because mm-hmm. that was the same game when Kamar Roof, like, went in with studs up into the goalie's face. Um, the goalie was, you know, the goalie that yeah, played us, of course. of course he has like the headgear and the nose mask and everything. And there was actually this, <laughs> did you say after he took, took off the, the light headgear that he barely had an injury yeah. on his face? Yeah. It was all like a big PR. It, it was, but I think <laughs> it was like also, a, he looked like a fucking villain. The best part about it was the yeah. Arsenal players before the Emirates tie literally came up to him. I think it was Bellerin and a couple of the others. And we're like, there's nothing to worry about. We're not going to like mess with your head. Like we're not going to go anywhere near it. You know? we are like playing for your safety as well as for the win. They actually went up to him and made that statement, which was cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the coach and the FA were both, you know, basically saying like they're, you know, do, saying these allegations of racism to cover up the fact that they've been playing dirty and like fouling a bunch and, you know, 
it it sheds a nasty light and kind of masks some of the other unfortunate things that happened during the game no it doesn't your player was racist like that's fucked up <laughs> come on man but mm. i don't know it's just mm. it was it was a poor stance and a poor time and we've kicked him out and that is all that matters mm. fuck him <laughs> exactly yeah on to follow um yeah absolutely uh we'll go through this nice and quickly how about you two just literally uh give your thoughts on your you have one minute each pretty much to just give your thoughts on on fulham ahead of this weekend considering we uh are a little constrained with time uh um, mac uh oh, oh sorry, sorry. yeah i was gonna go say first. La- la- ladies first go for it <laughs> um i think we'll probably have to see a bit of rotation i think pretty much the same team has played two games in a row now um i think the well the only change was um smith road for martinelli so maybe we'll see a bit of rotation i think we probably should um i know we've got a reasonable break actually between the fulham game and we play everton on friday um so yeah but i think we do have to look ahead to these this double leg against villarreal and sort of look at how we manage the squad in 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 the next few weeks and how we sort of rotate so I'm I'm hoping that um, we see a bit of rotation. Some of the players who have been left out in the last two games get some runouts. I actually think in the forward areas, without Odegaard and Aubameyang, we're a little bit more restricted in what we can do because the, basically the only viable options were Willian and Martinelli because Nelson and Ketia um, are sort of frozen out at the moment. They're not really you don't you can't see them starting any game at the moment. Um, and I think, but I think in the defensive areas there is there's room for for a bit of rotation. Gabriel can come back in. I think Louise will still be out, but um, you know the fullback areas could maybe change a little bit. We've got Bellerin and Cedric available, so yeah, I'm expecting a bit of rotation. Um, and just on Fulham, they're in a rele- relegation scrap. They've had a few poor results recently, which means they're starting to look a little bit cut adrift. Um, I know it's I think it's six points to Newcastle now, so. They're going to be up mm. for it. They need to get something. Um, and they are a much better team than they were when we played them in the open day of the season. So I don't think it's going to be as straightforward as it was then. Yeah, I would second a lot of that. Uh, Mac, your thoughts? Totally agree. I think there will be a lot of rotation. They have lost four on the bounce, but their mm. game before that was their win against Liverpool. So, I mean, don't count them out against big opposition. Um, mm. I think, obviously, Leno starts, he will. I think backline rotation is pretty fair. I expect two, if not three, of Bellerin, Gabriel, and Cedric to come back into the side. Um, Party and Jaka are going to stay because they always do, and that's just how we exist. Front four, um, I wouldn't be surprised if Willian started. Um, I would be surprised if Pepe didn't. I think Pepe will definitely get a start. Um, Lacazette will obviously start up front. I think it's you know a toss-up between Smithrow and Saka. Saka has been healthier, um, but Smithrow is a more natural number ten. And then I think it's between Martinelli and Willian for the left wing. You know, Arteta will obviously want to rotate. I'd like to see Martinelli start. I think he's going to start Willian just because he tends to against potentially you know lower quality opposition. He likes to give Willian a run out where he can do well without being a liability. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be pretty basic. I also think it's going to be interesting to see how well Fulham can defend uh, simply just because they've been 
a lot more solid at the back recently. It's their goal scoring form that's been struggling. And of course, you know, three nothing to Manchester City doesn't scream solid, but mm. two yeah. Uh I mean two one to Leeds, one nothing to Wolves. It's they've been at least all right. Um they just can't mm. do anything going forwards, which should bode well for potentially rotating at the back. That's my minute. Mm. Rob, what about you? And maybe Odegaard yeah, actually. I mean- just in there. Yeah, it'd yeah. be nice to see if he's not back in the team. Yes, except I'm mm. just I would like him to at least come on as a sub but not start. Whether yeah, he's healthy or not, you know, I'm always a fan of taking caution, especially when it comes to like ankles, knees, anything ligament related, because it's so easy to restress. Sorry. And it's not like time. it's not like a massive imperative game either. Exactly. No, I mean the Premier League season's dead. Um, it's all all we're fighting for, for for seventh, basically now. Yeah, that's like the it's best case scenario. Then. So we can finish above Spurs. That's basically what I'm looking forward to in the league season. Yeah, that would be ideal. Uh, but it's all in that Europa League campaign now, and we are in the semi final, um, and, and that is exciting. Um, I will we'll get onto that. I'm sure next week, perhaps we could do a preview of that semi final. Considering I know there's a Premier League game, but as as I say, the Europa League is the priority now. So um, yeah, mm. um, let's just uh, conclude with it with our spotlights. Um, first, first oh, Mac, shit. and then uh, I wonder if Alfie's thought about anything. I mean, I know he hasn't because it's Alfie. <laughs> um, but yeah, go go ahead, Mac. What what are you spotlighting this week? Um. I'm very excited for my spotlight this week. It's uh it's a much different take. It's the Primeira Liga in Portugal. Um interesting. It's been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Uh Sporting are currently leading by 6 points above Porto than Benfica, but what I want to focus on is the relegation scrap. Um they have the way they do it is they have two teams that get relegated and then a relegation playoff, but from Nacional in 18th to Porto Manese in ninth, eight points. Eight points separating 18th and ninth. It's it's absolutely insane. Uh, they have 10 games to go in the season. Literally anything can happen. Um, and although Liga Nos, or sorry, Primera Liga, as it is for like the last two years, isn't actually televised in the US, I will be pirating streams because I'm, I've never heard of half of these teams and I'm still very, very excited about it. <laughs> oh, interesting one. Uh, yeah. Portuguese league is not one I tune into too often, but that 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 does sound interesting. Uh, while Alfie continues to scramble around for for a spotlight, I'm just gonna again again uh, go for a, a bit more of a basic one this week. I'm gonna spotlight Jude Bellingham just because he's class. I mean, I know he's younger than me, which is a bit scary, but uh, yeah, he's he's got um, a great great head on his shoulders, and not to mention he's he's a fantastic footballer. Uh, and yeah, he's been a revelation at Dortmund. And I really hope he, he goes to the Euros this summer and potentially even starts. Uh, he's had a good season with Dortmund. Um, Alfie, do you have anything or are we just going to skip you out this week? No, no, no. I, I thought about this the other day, actually. I was like, what am I going to spotlight on Friday? <laughs> um, and I had a good one, but I've completely forgotten. I can't remember what it is. Um, but I've, I've, I've I mean... thought of something else. Um, I'm just going to say... My guy, Kido Taylor Hart in the under 23s. I've known him since I was about nine or something because he was in my primary school and secondary school. Um, and he's two years younger than me, but I remember playing on the fucking AstroTurf with him. I was year six, he was year four, and he was fucking, he was unbelievable. And I remember when he signed for Arsenal when he was about seven or eight, 
Um, and then he went to my secondary school, and I sort of forgot about him. Um, and then, like recently, he, he started playing for the under twenty ones, and he's he looks very good. He looks like a great talent, and yeah, oh, that's my claim to fame. If he if he becomes a good player, but I think he will. I think he's got a good future. So yeah, if 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 you want to watch under twenty threes, have a look out for him and and, and watch him because I think he's he's a star in the making. My guy Kido. I always call him Kido instead of Taylor Hart. I didn't even know his surname was Taylor Hart until about probably like a year ago now. Yeah, it is crazy though because you you literally look at him as as sort of a friend, don't you? He's yeah. not Taylor Hart, whereas to everyone else, he is Taylor Hart. It's mm. probably like people who know Bukayo Saka sort of our age who can mm. like find it crazy that everyone's like, oh my god, Saka, whereas yeah. they probably know him as like Bukayo. Mm. Um, but yeah, that that is a is a cool one. Mm. What are you going to say, Matt? Yeah, I was going to say, or just, or just be. Oh yeah, everyone seems every, to be as everyone on the team calls yeah. him. It's yeah. my favorite thing. Yeah, yeah. open yeah. mic. Just during. Well, it's not just Shaka. It's every open mic. It's yeah. always be, be, and you can hear it in the background of everyone else as well. Like whenever someone's shouting for Bukayo, it's hilarious. Probably because it's easier yeah. to say than Bukayo as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I I struggled with Bukayo for like a year. Before, <laughs> I remember his, you know, when he was just breaking into when the he team. played against Frankfurt in that game. Uh, the commentator called called him Bioko the whole game, which oh, was kind of God. pissing yes. me off because like literally read, like it's Classic not hard. BT Sport, commentator. yeah, it was, it was fucking Fletch, Fletch, as if a commentator was having oh, a hate that Fletch, guy. man. Mm. <laughs> I've never watched a minute of BT Sport in my life, and I know that guy is <laughs> Darren Fletch. Painful, yeah, shit is commentator. Well. Yeah. Anyway, this has been episode eight of the Extra Cannon podcast. Uh, Alf, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Cheers, cheers. It's, it's been a, it's been an honour to make my debut. <laughs> yeah, it's been a strong debut from you. All your podcasting experience cheers, is cheers. clear to see. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Mac, the usual suspect. Good to talk to you as always. Yeah, always lovely. I mean, thanks for having me on. Um, I hope Alfie's star stops rising soon. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's about it. Yeah. Anyway, as I said, uh, this has been episode eight of the Extra Cannon podcast. I've been your host, Rob Worthington, and uh, come back next week for more. See you later. Bye.